Thank you for tuning in to the Voice of the Victim podcast. We discuss a lot of sad and potentially triggering things on this show. We try to be as sensitive and cautious as possible, but if you are sensitive to things involving abuse and may be triggered, please think twice before listening to our show. Hey guys, welcome to the Voice of the Victim podcast. My name is Ryan. And I'm Rosie. And Burrito's already playing with his <laughs> ball, so we're off to a great start. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we have been gone for a while. I don't know if you've noticed or not, but... Feels like we've been gone been, for a long time. Yeah, we missed two weeks because of my work schedule. So we're, Oh, there he is. Hey, buddy. I'm going to well, take his ball for... He wants to play. So we're glad to be back. Um, as you can tell, we haven't changed because we're still really unprofessional. I have a couple announcements before we get started. First, we want to thank our new patrons, Heather and Kayla. So thank you, Heather and Kayla. Thank you guys very much. We really appreciate your support. And also, there's a GoFundMe page for Sarah Turney now that she's trying to get funding to put up billboards in Phoenix and take out some ads to raise awareness of her case. And we covered Alyssa Turney, that's Sarah's sister. So if you want to know what that's all about, I think it's episode 67 through 69. So there's three parts on it. But we just want to let you guys know, if you're interested in supporting that, go check it out. We put a link to it on our Facebook page. Um, Besides that, how have you been, Rosie? I have been sick. Wow, I had... A wild ride of a stomach virus. (laughs) Rosie called in sick for the first time ever Mm -hmm. on Monday. It's true. I had a lot of time on my hands between bathroom trips. And, well, I guess not a lot of time (laughs) between bathroom (laughs) trips. But anyway, I really had a hard time finding things to do because, for one, I was dehydrated and dizzy and didn't want to do anything. So, I decided to look into... Fur farming. You're not going to ask me how I'm doing? Oh, gosh, I'm sorry. How are you doing? I'm good. You know, I don't really care about New Year's resolutions that much because I'm like, why wait till New Year's to make a resolution? But... To resolute? Today, I went on a 35-minute run. And you felt good? Got the year off to a good start. I used to exercise a lot, and then it, it became very sporadic. And let me just say, the past month, I've been very... Indulgent? Yeah. Mostly stress eating because my work schedule's been so crazy. But I'm ready to to start going back the other way. I was actually inspired by one of our listeners. I don't know if I should mention her name right now, but... She, she, huh? Yeah, she's on Instagram, (laughs) and she's been... She made changes like three months ago, and they're going really well for her. So you know who you are. You've been inspiring. So thank you. She's also one of our patrons. Oh, cool. Well, I'll just say it since we've already mentioned her before. It's Hannah, our patron. So thank you, Hannah. Very good. Yeah. Anyway, what did you get? (laughs) So (laughs) Rosie went down a rabbit hole. I went in a real rabbit hole. And just so you know, it's her voice. So I'm going to try to keep it, my opinion, unbiased. But I appreciate her passion on this topic. Can you read my disclaimer? Yes. Well, that's your disclaimer. I can't read it. Yeah, you can. She says, disclaimer, (laughs) my word is not law. (laughs) The research that I did was honest research that I found for myself. And then she goes directly into a very, (laughs) a very um, stubborn statement. But I love you. All right. Well, do you want to get started? Yeah. I think fur farms are completely pointless and disgusting. And I think they have absolutely no purpose except to make pretty things that could have been made with other materials. Well, in 2019, this is true. In We're in America. 2020. Oh. Yeah. It's 2020. Wake up, Ryan. That's right. Today is New Year's Day. Yeah. 
Whoa. Um, this episode is going to be about fur farming, and in particular, fox and mink fur farming. I hate fur farms, and on this episode, all you're going to be hearing about are the negatives, because there are only negatives. Well, some people are reliant on you read my using disclaimer. animals. Right, but we Especially, don't. Especially, yeah, if there's no, like, Walmart in your town. I'm going to get to those kinds of things later. Oh, I'm okay. only talking about fur. Just the fur aspect. I'm not talking about And the way and it's eating. produced. Yeah. Fur is a luxury item that, in my opinion, nobody needs. I don't understand it. I think that we live in such a progressive time that there are so many other ways to get the fur look. It's just... Where we live, yeah. Yeah. Uh, man, I, when I wrote this, I was really fired up, huh? <laughs> I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings about the fur aspect because I realize that there's a lot of different opinions about it. And some people see fur farming for one thing, where others see it for a completely, entirely different thing. So I don't want to step on toes. That's really not the point of my episode. My point of this episode is to teach people about what's really happening when you can see these pro fur farming websites. It's really easy to also see the negatives, even though there's the pro sites. I appreciate your trying to balanced um, view blow off a little bit of the fire that I originally wrote because <laughs> I'm now being able to eat and have water in my body. <laughs> I'm going to time travel back to when I was in fifth grade. Ooh, story time. Yes. When I was in fifth grade, my whole class got to go to this two-night, three-day camping trip called Deportage. Huge deal, right? We got to be away from our parents and be with friends and learn about nature i heard about that a lot but i've never done it that's too bad for you <laughs> so when i was there there was a little gift shop with all sorts of camping things like unnecessary junk camping things for kids and at the end of my three day two night camping trip i got to pick out something my parents had given me twenty dollars so as i rummaged through the store i found this beautiful small brown rabbit pelt and it was so soft, I just had to buy it. After purchasing my rabbit pelt, I was obsessed with it. And I would sit and rub it on my face. <laughs> <laughs> well, you haven't changed much. <laughs> I got home. Wait, I don't rub pelts on my face. Well, Let's clear that up for a second. You do like the... Well, I just mean like the funny little habits like smelling your hair constantly. Okay. Fair. When I got home, I was really excited to show my mom and my pa my new purchase. And so I showed it to them, rubbing it on my face, and they looked at me kind of grossed out. And they said, Rosie, why are you rubbing that thing all over your chin and your cheek? It's a rabbit, and it has germs on it. Oh, gross. I was shocked. My 10-year-old mind didn't realize that this super fuzzy, soft fluff was actually made from a dead animal. In fact, I loved, and I still do love bunnies. So in my 10-year-old head, I was like, why did I buy a dead bunny? It freaked me out, and I never looked at the, pe the <laughs> pelt the same way again. Interesting. It, yes, I remember it vividly in my room, on my dresser, staring at me. Oh. Okay, so now we're going <laughs> to... Go. That does sound terrifying. It was kind of forward in time. But I mean, you do rub burrito on your face now. Right. But I guess he's not out in the wild. He's a living pelt. This happened again like a year or so later, and I'm at the roller skating rink. I had won enough tickets to buy some junk from behind the counter. What an exciting time. <laughs> With all of my tickets, I picked out a green rabbit's foot keychain. Well, those are pr pretty popular I know. back in the day. It's like, what's what's my deal with rabbit limbs, right? <laughs> I picked out my keychain and I showed it to my pa and he was like, what made you pick out that? And he then explained to me that what I had picked out was a literal, actual rabbit foot dyed in green and placed on a keychain. I cried. Yeah, I can imagine that. <laughs> These are my two run-ins with animal pelts and limbs. 
wasn't good. (laughs) Now I want to fast forward to my adult life and talk to you guys about the fur industry. It's estimated that around and probably more, maybe less than 50 million animals are killed for their fur each year. In the U.S., there are about 400 fur farms and they produce around 3 million pelts in a year. 400? I'm sad to say that our neighbor, Wisconsin, is the biggest fur farm state for mink. Sorry. I know. I'm not from Wisconsin. I am from Minnesota. So does that mean we have a lot of wild mink in Wisconsin? Because I don't think I've ever seen one. Well, they're very aggressive and not friendly little critters. They're like badgers, kind of? They look like little weasels almost. Or ferrets. Ferret, okay. And they are very much not interested in people. Interesting. Out of the 400 fur farms here, I'm just going to say here because Wisconsin's pretty close, 278 are for farming mink fur. Just want to jump in quick. If you think you hear thunder, it's just our cats <laughs> fighting out in the living room. So. But I will not cage them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not during this episode. <laughs> Minnesota's also a big contender in fur farming. Animals on a fur farm are forced to live a life as a prisoner. In every video that I looked up, animals are living in small, tight chicken wire cages. This is absolutely terrible. In nature, minks have a natural territory of 2,500 acres, while foxes have even bigger territories. A mink's cage is usually as big as two sheets of printer paper put together. Oof. So that would be 15 inches by 22 inches? You can do the math, or you could take two sheets of printer paper and put them together. Right. (laughs) Putting them in these tiny cages that are stacked on top of each other, allowing one fox's feces to fall on the other, is heart-wrenching to see. In these videos, I saw aisles of these stacked cages and heard the yelps of distressed foxes. I don't see how these conditions are any way humane. These animals have no room to run, hide, socialize, and they barely have enough room to stretch or stand up. Oof. That's sad. These animals are never going to set upon the grass. And if they do, that's when their necks are going to be snapped. Mink are semi-aquatic animals, yet they are given absolutely no water to bathe or swim in. Let that sink in for a minute, Ryan. That's... I can understand now why you've gotten so fired up. Because you were looking at videos of this tipped my finger in the pool. (laughs) (laughs) Or... The minx paw. Oh, yeah, we got 10 more pages of this. (sighs) These videos, and I specifically try not to look at just PETA videos because I know PETA, though they mean well, they also have a decently bad rep for showing us what we want to see. Yeah, and there have been some conspiracy theories floating around. Right, which I did look into. Of them, like, mass-executing animals themselves. The raccoons one. Yeah, Mm -hmm. so... So I tried not to look into these and more like they had a BBC um, news interview about it. And that's obviously legit. Usually, yeah. Anyways, the animals that I saw in the videos and that were talked about in different articles receive food and water occasionally, but nothing else. Most of these animals have their paws, have problems with their paws due to the caging, the wire mesh. They have ulcers broken bones, open wounds, disease, frostbite, deformed limbs. So the bottom of the cage is also this wire mesh? Yeah, for so the feces to drop. nothing solid to stand on? No. Ugh. And there's a reason for the wire mesh. It's so the feces drop. Because if the feces stay in the cage, it's going to ruin the fur. Right. It's going to cause damage to the fur. Though they do have problems with the feces sticking to the mesh and then building up after that. And then the animal gets a disease from it rubbing into the feces. It's probably the only comfort the animal had the entire time it was in the cage. So it like snuggles up on it and then it gets sick. These Uh animals also suffer from psychological problems. Social deprivation, learned helplessness, and cage madness are just a few. I didn't know what cage madness meant, and honestly, it kind of made made up. 
or sounded made up. Well, it's like getting stir crazy, I would say. Exactly. It's when an animal is completely psychologically broken. It's shocking. I saw foxes pacing and weaving continuously, stomping and jumping in different corners of the cage in like an endless pattern over and over and over again. It's like you when you're sick and you can't go do anything. (laughs) Right. And why wouldn't they be cage mad? I mean, their lives are completely pointless. The only reason that they live is for their death. They're alive for the fur on their backs. Foxes will be in such emotional turmoil that occasionally they'll cannibalize their babies or their cage mates. Now, I'm a huge fan of meat, and I love steak, Mm -hmm. but hearing this stuff really makes me understand why so many people become vegetarians Mm -hmm. and vegans, because that's really messed up. Mm Mm-hmm. The fur industry says over and over again that they take pride in taking care of their animals' needs. <laughs> I mean, what a mockery. I don't even understand how they could say that. Uh, well, I'm sure in their minds they think that. Mm, maybe. Or they want to make themselves believe. I mean, we see that a lot of time with people that um, imprison other human beings, you know, when people are kidnapped. They justify their own actions in their minds to make themselves... The case we're going to talk about next week, um, the person saw himself as a hero. So, mm-hmm. just a little um, seed to get you excited <laughs> for next week. Anyway, your turn. Well, I wanted to say that most of these ranchers and farmers state that to get the best fur, they have to treat the animal with respect. When really... The treatment of the animal, it's not going to reflect to the fur at all. The only thing that can damage the fur is the way that they're killed and if feces are dropped on it. And to be clear, we're talking about fur farming, not hunters. No, I'm not talking about hunters at all. Because if you humanely you know, hunt an animal and then use its fur, it's a completely different story. Right. Than this... fur farming, where they're literally living in... concentration camp exactly that's what i thought of when i was watching these videos was concentration camp right Uh, so yeah what damages the fur is the feces that it could be stewing in um sunlight and that's why they are not allowed to be in sunlight and wind damage which i'll talk about later the way they're treated with love and attention does not matter uh, foxes are killed then by gassing, neck breaking, or anal electrocution. What? Seems really humane, right? Ow. Right. Why anal? Because it doesn't affect the fur. Oh. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's messed up. Because mm-hmm. there's so many nerve endings down there. Yeah. It's That's like maximum pain for execution. Mm-hmm. Now, there's nothing illegal about fur farming in the U.S. There are recommended codes and regulations for animal care and handling, but all of that, as far as I could find, is voluntary, and there are no consequences for ignoring these regulations. Wow. I looked on pro-fur farm websites, reading all the lies about how truly humane the farms are, claiming they have excellent care and nutrition for their foxes and mink. This is word for word. It said, in contrast with their wild cousins, farmed mink, fox, and chinchilla enjoy constant access to nutritious food and clean water, protection from predators and extreme weather, and veterinary care when needed. <laughs> wow. A lot of things they're cherry-picking here. Veterinary care when they get E. coli from sitting in their own poop? Which, as far as I'm concerned, when that happens, the fur is damaged and they're killed. Another quote I found really interesting on this website was this. In a famous experiment, Russian geneticist Dmitry K., because I'm not going to say his last name. Konstantinovich. Thank you. Demonstrated that tame foxes showing little fear of or even affection for their human handlers could be bred in as few as 10 generations. So he's saying... (laughs) That the handler 
can strive to be friends with the animal that they're about to annually electrocute. Great. That's really sad. I like, also, how do you create a bond with an animal you know you're going to kill? I know. Well, Zook is literally looking at me right now like, what are you talking about? And he looks like a mink. Oh, yeah, with no ears. <laughs> I know. It's a very upsetting topic. Uh, on the same anti, or I'm sorry, pro for a farm website, I see a farmer, a picture of a farmer holding a mink close in his arms with a tender smile on his face under bold lettering that says, why fur farming is not cruel. I'm already suspicious of how this picture was taken because mink are not domesticated animals. They are very aggressive by nature and they would never allow to be cuddled with let alone pose for a picture for this pro fur farming website. In the article, they talk about the guidelines for caring for the mink. So I I dug into those guidelines a little confused with them because it never says that these guidelines are legal laws. And in fact, they seem to be just that, they're guidelines. They talk about this thing called the Humane Care Merit Award Program. It's a long word, I know. And this is pretty much the Good Farm Award. These farms supposedly do things the right way, and they're rewarded by independent veterinarians. Huh? Again, I'm confused. Who are these vets, these independent veterinarians, and how are they qualified to decide this? So basically, it's like the same... um is guidelines. So it's like the government telling you what's best to eat. And I, yeah. it's the same like they don't really no no one can control that. It's your right to do whatever you want with your body. So basically it's suggestions and mm-hmm. there's no repercussions if you treat your body like crap. So if you treat these animals like crap, it's the same thing. Exactly. Well, and it's Independent veterinarians? So how easy would it be just to pay off your local vet to give you this stamp of approval? Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? It goes on to say that um, by 1990, 95% of mink farms are such happy mink farms because they got this award from the vet, this golden stamp of approval. So in other other words, you're seeing this this fur at a store and you see this little stamp on it oh they don't get a stamp for that that's a different thing i'm gonna talk about that later oh they just get like a certificate oh okay i'll let you talk because i don't know anything no you're fine then it says this quote this extraordinary level of voluntary participation reflects the um, conscientious conscientious (laughs) commitment (laughs) of American fur farmers to the highest standards of humane animal care. <laughs> right here, they tell you this is all voluntary. This means diddly squat. I mean, good for them if they didn't pay off the vet, you know? Yeah. So, if I'm a terrible mink farmer, what does it matter? Yeah, maybe the government did attempt in some pathetic way to with these awards and certifications... Which, by the way, the certifications consist of three booklets. But in the end, does it really matter? Because there are no consequences if there are terrible things done to your animals. Guidelines are indeed just guidelines. Something a rebellious teenager would scoff at to their parents. Mm-hmm. And a flimsy award given to you from an independent vet? If you can't have a third-party official whose focus it is to inspect these animals for their welfare to check out these farms, then what good is this independent vet that could potentially be paid off or swayed in some ways to do the job for you? Oh, here we go. So I just found went to the DNR website for Wisconsin, looked into fur farm regulations and licenses, Okay. and they have to pay a $50 fee. It's for a year. Oh, wait, no. Three years. For 50 bucks? Yeah. It's a good deal. It is, but still, the government's making money off of licensing fees. Mm-hmm. So it explains why they wouldn't be jumping in and putting more stringent laws on these people because that would mean less revenue. Mm-hmm. Because they're literally paying these, I mean, like most taxes, they're getting money for doing nothing. But yeah, yeah. It's just a joke to me, and 
I mean, maybe I'm missing something here, but to me, these standard guidelines of operation seem really pointless. Before you send me an email about how our taxes are put to good use, I know they go to society. I'm not talking about taxes. I think they're important because we need a functioning society, but there are a lot of taxes on stuff. I don't think they all need to be there. So I just don't want you to think that I think taxes are pointless. Did you know that it takes 120 mink to make a two coat? Two coats? 120? Yep. I know it's so sixty make, it makes to make one coat. Sense to say that sixty to make one, but for some reason they said one twenty. I was wondering if it's because you have to use the parts differently to divide into the two. Oh, I don't know. That's a good question. But it was really sad because I saw this video and the farmer was he's showing the carcasses of the hundred twenty, and he's like, "Yep, I'll just make two coats." <laughs> that is crazy. <sighs> So the standard guidelines of operation of mink farming in the United States consists of these three books, like I said earlier. Standards, records, and protocols. Um, The farm audit instrument and the biosecurity protocols for mink farms in the U.S. And I went on the website because I wanted to check out these guidelines and books. And it's funny because right on the website they are like, um, download please. Only have limited amount of paper copies. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, okay. I don't know. Why can't... If you want this to make a difference, then give everybody a paper copy. But Sounds about right. Um, if you adhere to these animal requirements, the U.S. mink producers are then able to qualify their product under this International Fur Federation fur mark traceability and certification label. That's... The big deal label that you can see in clothing. Okay. And I have a picture of it. It looks like a like a thumbprint kind of. Um, so if you decide to comply with these guidelines, because remember you don't have to, and nothing bad's going to happen to you if you choose not to. Right. In the end, my dear friend, you are going to receive a label. I was trying to look up images to see like how many fur coats and junk have this label on it. And it was really weird because I found one picture of a single coat with the label on the collar. And then everything else was like this fur mark stress test with this weird eyeball picture with animal print over it. And it was really strange. Hmm. I plan on looking at that again later because I don't know what that was about. Anyways, I'm going to move away from the mink farming and now talk about fox Fur farming. Oof. That's what I'm really, really passionate about. And, oh, yeah. I went on a pro fur farm website again to talk about or to look and learn about fox fur farming. And before I even really dig in, I want to talk about the picture they chose to show how good these farms are (laughs) and how it was still quite disturbing to me. Now, obviously, they picked the best fur farm. And they cleaned it up real nice for this photo, trying to make it look as pleasant as possible. Yet, I was still like almost in tears by looking at it. It's a picture of a cold winter day, probably in Minnesota or Wisconsin. (laughs) The foxes are caged in chicken wire crates and under the protection of a wooden roof. It's an aisle. It looks like barracks. The farmer... He proves the cold temperature by his outfit. He's wearing thick snow pants, a huge winter coat and has got red cheeks and this kind of bothered me not because it's cold obviously foxes are equipped for winter that's the reason that they have the fluffy fur coat that rightfully belongs to them Mm -hmm. but animals warm themselves partially by running around and getting their blood pumping right the fox that i see in the picture is just laying down obviously bored with nothing else to do except for stare at the farmer who's later going to kill him for his fur that's a really good point. And you can't snuggle with any other foxes. I don't know, are foxes snugglers? Um, well, they uh, do have cage mates at times, but then they run the risk of cannibalizing the cage mate out of stress. Oof. Well, what I mean is in the wild, do they cuddle with their families, or are they more independent? I think they're more solitary creatures. Oh, okay. Well, forget that then. Well, <laughs> <laughs> like mamas and babies and stuff. Right. So I found this interesting article off of this website, and it was called A Year on a Fox Farm. Wow, it really didn't make me feel any better. I found out that a 
fur farm fox usually gets a lifespan of about one year. Then again, what's the point of them living any longer when their only reason to live is for the fur on their backs? So it starts in January, and this is when the breeding process begins. And in December, at the end of the year, is when the harvest begins, which is the busiest month. In January, the foxes are inspected for breeding. And they give us an example of this beautiful, full-grown black fox in the picture. Just gorgeous. Being held down to the ground by his tail. While it's breeding season, the foxes should be given the most sunlight. And I'm assuming this is probably to make it a more natural atmosphere for them. Though after they are given birth, they need as little sunlight as possible to keep their coats pristine. So why is he held down by his tail? For inspection. Oh, gotcha. And for the, the picture. In September, most farmers are even going to put a plastic barrier around the crate to keep out even more sunlight and any wind or breeze because wind damage could harm the fur. Oh, yeah. Back to the months. From February to March, foxes are going to start to breed. In April and May, female foxes will give birth. That's only 52 days after becoming pregnant. Very interesting, right? Yeah. Um, some farmers are going to leave the mothers alone with her pups to give her, quote, a sense of security. Other farmers will check daily on the pups to make sure there's nothing crazy going on. Oh, yeah. They're called pups. Mm-hmm. Cute. In June, the pups are separated from their mother and put into pens. Mm. In July... Older adult foxes are now put into furring sheds waiting to be pelted first. And it's unclear to me if in the July month foxes are starting to be harvested or not. In November, foxes are graded for their fur, grade A or B. In December, the harvest begins. The ranchers start with the adult males, adult females, early adult pups, early female pups, and lastly, late male and female pups. Hmm. So yeah, this was all on the Pro Fur website detailing a year on the fur farm. Still couldn't be swayed. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're obviously trying to make it sound as decent as possible, but it still doesn't sound great. And it was funny to me because they showed the aging process of the foxes, but when it came to harvest season, there was no picture. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, these websites really seem to fight the argument of fur farming being important. Because if it wasn't happening, then animals would rule over us or be dripping in disease and a huge war would break out and we'd all die. They're saying that if they weren't farming them, this is what would happen? Right. Right. That's really strange to me. That's funny because they're forcing them to breed. Yeah. And make more foxes. So that's pretty crazy. Well, they always make this big point about overpopulation, but... A lot of countries have completely banned fur farming, and they seem to be doing just fine. Where did they uh, do that? In Austria, Bosnia. Herzegovina? Belgium. I've never heard of that. Croatia. Herzegovina? It's small. (laughs) I'm assuming. (laughs) I hope we don't have any listeners there that are like, what? (laughs) Czech Republic, Luxembourg, Netherlands. Um, Northern Ireland is working on it. Republic of Macedonia, Serbia, Slavonia. Slovenia. Yeah. And the United Kingdom. Norway is also working on phasing out fur farming in 2024. And Norway is one of the biggest fur farming countries. Wow. Well, that's cool. So why is it such a big deal to ban it here? Um, money. We're a capitalist society. And I'm anything that generates revenue is a okay. I'm glad you brought that up, Ryan, because I'm confused on how ranchers are even making that much of a profit from these pelts. Oh yeah, that's right. You're, that's something that stuck out to me when you were talking to me about it because I was like, really? So I'll let you go into that. I looked up the 2019 fur prices, and I found exactly what I wanted on TrappingsToday.com. So these are the average prices that they went for in auction. For a Western Bobcat, you could get about $416 for a pelt. Well, that's a decent chunk. Yeah, it was a little lower than the $600 that these cats brought in last year, but it was still a decent chunk, I would say. Well, maybe that's good. Maybe it means there's less people bidding on them. Yeah, hopefully. 
A muskrat goes for 380 this year. I guess last year, which is a little higher than 2018. Huh. For a red fox. Wait, $3.80. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I just said three. You just went from $416 to $3.80. Yeah. Muskrats. Mm-hmm. Less than $4? How yeah. is that worth it? I know. A fox, red fox, ranged from $24 to $27. That's it? So, they must have so many. Like, you have to really farm them on a massive scale to make any profit. If you're selling them for twenty four to twenty seven, that's like mm-hmm. the value of one fox per hour. So that means, on average, you're only giving each fox an hour of whatever you think you're providing them. Which makes sense for how crappy they're treated, and yeah. makes sense for their short lifespan. It wouldn't be ethical to give them the conditions that they need and the lifespan that they deserve. Wow, that's crazy. Also, raccoons were sold at a whopping $4.62 to $12.28. And that's sad, (laughs) my friend. This is a lot less than I would have expected. Mink, otter, fisher, and gray fox, and weasel mostly didn't even sell, so they didn't even show us the pricing for them. Oh, gotcha. The cats go for more. Mm -hmm. The lynx averaged around $73. Which was a small improvement. But still far below long-term averages. Oh, Martins. I know, they're Those adorable. Are cute. So I just don't, I don't see why this is a good market anymore. I don't see why this is still happening. Obviously, farmers aren't able to create the good atmosphere and setting that these animals need. And no one cares. The government doesn't. So it's just allowed. It drives me insane. And these animals are treated so cruelly. We live in a world of violence. I mean, you can look at the bright side if you want, but then you can really see the violence in the world too. And why can't we just make the simple choice not to wear fur or buy products using fur to save the lives of these countless animals that have no voice to fight with? It's such an easy choice to me. There are so many fur-free options. I mean, just do a little research It's not hard. I don't agree with the way PETA does things. I myself, I'm not even a vegetarian or a vegan, though I very much respect those who are able to commit themselves to that. But we can do simple things like buying from responsible farms, getting the cage-free, roam-free eggs, or even better, supporting backyard chicken families and buying eggs from them. Yeah, that's why they say buy locally. Because you actually can see who you're buying from. Exactly. Um, Check your makeup supplies. There are a lot of cruelty-free, non-animal tested products. And how easy is it to not buy Link eyelashes? (laughs) Just (laughs) turn your hand and move it to a different packaging. (laughs) Right. I just can't ever imagine wanting to buy and glue dead mink on my lashes. Do you know know what I mean? No, but I wouldn't want that either. (laughs) <laughs> it feels good spending an extra dollar or two to get the animal-friendly products than the cheapest of the cheap and knowing where it comes from, in my opinion, anyways. Mm-hmm. You can even get shampoos and conditioner that are cruelty-free. Dove, for instance, has been animal cruelty-free for the last 30 years. Oh, good to know. And don't even get me started on the animal testing done to rabbits for shampoo. It's terrible and I hate it. Small purchases do make a difference, and choosing not to be ignorant about where the products come from that you use are going to make a difference. And I'm really not perfect, but I do try to at least get my meat from decent farms, choose beauty and hygiene products that aren't tested on animals, I don't ever buy fur, and I get cage-free eggs and support animal rescue. This is going to segue into my favorite part of the episode. Really? So what's that? Save a Fox Rescue. (laughs) Yes. I've been following this girl named Michaela Rains on Instagram. She's an amazing young woman, and she's dedicated her life to taking in rejected foxes because of their coats or what have you, or rejection from the litter. She takes them from fur farms, and she gives them the best life possible. She doesn't buy or breed her foxes. They're all surrendered animals from farms, 
or from people that bought them as pets and they didn't realize how much work they are. And she even has a coyote named Dakota, some cats, and a few rescued mink. She's amazing. Cool. Yeah, and she's on Instagram. Mm -hmm. She's got a pretty cool Instagram page. If you love looking at pictures of cute foxes or foxes with disabilities that have been treated poorly in the past. Talking about Fig? He's my favorite fox. He got adopted to a family, though. I follow him on a different account now. Oh, good. You still follow (laughs) (laughs) him? I do. You got a good heart, Rosie. Thank you. (laughs) Foxes, once are farmed, they can never be put back in the wild. It's totally illegal, and it does make sense, because how would a fox ever know what to do after living in a tiny cage out of sunlight for their whole lives. That's a good point. I mean, they're given their food, they're given the water. They don't know what to do. Yeah, so they imposed that law on fur farmers, but nothing about humane treatment. Well, I mean, there's guidelines. (laughs) Which we've established are pointless. Right. So instead of these rejects being killed off by the fur farms, they're given into the loving hands of Michaela. Michaela works off of donations of fellow animal lovers, and her and her team are always hard at work caring for these little gu- these little buddies. The animals are given plenty of outside space, nesting boxes, toys, walks, treats, all sorts of good stuff. You can look at her website. It's called saveafox.org. And you can look at all of her rescue animals and learn a little about each one. It's adorable. I mean, it's like looking at a yearbook of foxes (laughs) you can also follow her on save a fox underscore rescue on instagram where you can watch adorable videos of foxes interacting with one another frolicking yes literally frolicking through fields getting toys and treats from their sponsors and just looking darn cute i'm glad you decided to end this on a positive note Mm -hmm. for the most part (laughs) it is not done yet (laughs) (laughs) Um, Michaela Rains was even featured in an article done by National Geographic in February of 2019 oh wow I know and it was entitled rescued foxes find refuge in Minnesota if you want to look that up yeah this fur farm is actually not fur farm (laughs) this fox rescue isn't very far from us it's probably like a half hour away and I'm dying to go in the summer. <laughs> oh, I reached out to her this year, and there was a process we need to go through, which is yeah, good. It is good. Because that means she's protecting the foxes from people that aren't really interested exactly. in their well-being. Michaela has literally built this animal sanctuary from the ground up, and she is really making a difference. Now, at one point, she almost got shut down by the city of Lakeville, Minnesota, because the city was upset with how many foxes she had, even though she had a lot of permits and had everything figured out. It's very upsetting. Well, the fact that she didn't get shut down is a testament to that she's doing things the right way. She did. That's why she moved. Oh, that's right. (laughs) Wait, what? She She got shut down? She was going to, unless she moved. So she got enough donations from all sorts of people all over the world and was able to get a bigger, better facility for her animals. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So the foxes have way more space to run around and enjoy their life. And they honestly look so happy. They are smiling and like, yep, yep, and stuff. (laughs) That must have been quite a project, transporting all those foxes. From watching the videos, it was. Wow. So. I like how transparent she is. She shows herself working with the foxes. And, mm -hmm. I mean, you know she cares about them. She does. pretty cool. She loves these guys. You can even like read about her story and how she got interested in the foxes on her website. And while you're on her website, you can also check out her fox shop and buy like little fox art, which I just did <laughs> last week. Oh yeah, that's and right. Because all the revenue goes towards the foxes. The foxes. Yeah, like artists will donate their time to making a digital print, and then all the proceeds will go to her. Really cool. So you can get like fox art or a calendar. I also have like. A little fox medallion in my car that I I bought while an artist was donating to her cause. And if you're able, you can make your own donation just because, or you could sponsor a fox. Cool. The sponsorship is really cool. Which you've done also. I haven't sponsored a fox. I want to. 
Oh, that's right. <laughs> you pick out your fox, you pay a monthly fee and one annual fee, and it's yours. That's right. You sponsored I sponsor Eugene a lemur. at the Como Zoo. Right. Because he needs as much help as he can get. Yeah, if you live in Minnesota and you go to the Como Zoo, there's this little black lemur right inside the primates building, like when you first walk in. And that's Rosie's little guy. That's my that's my man right there. <laughs> <sighs> so yeah, I really hope you guys take the time to look at this website. If you want to sponsor a fox, do it. I really want to, and I'm hoping to do that eventually. And if you even have the enclosures and the meanings and the time, you can even apply to adopt one of Michaela's foxes. Now, she takes it super seriously, and you have to go through um, a couple of you know, applications and she's going to come and assess and make sure you have the appropriate enclosures and stuff to do that. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. So I hope you can all take a couple minutes, follow her on Instagram, which again is save a Fox underscore rescue. Cool. And let her know we sent you and that you want her to come on our show. I know. Cause I did message her, but she's busy. She she's time. very busy. Yeah. Yeah. I respect what she's doing so much as she's just a really amazing person. But yeah, we would like to talk to her. Mm-hmm. Very much so. The relationship that she has with the fur farm people, I don't know how she does it. Because she does have a good repertoire with the fur farmers. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, she goes there and they surrender foxes. She even said that they appreciate what she's doing. So Wow. Well, that's cool to know that, you know, they are aware of the problem and they're actually working with her. Mm-hmm. And that there can be a mutual respect there. Because especially right now um, in the world, it seems like people have such a problem with other people that don't fundamentally agree with them on every level. And, you know, even if you disagree with people, it's still possible to have a mutual respect. Right. You know, and right. treat people with dignity and, you know, let them have their own agency. And that's why we try really hard not to be dogmatic about anything. And that's why I started the episode by saying that. <laughs> because Rosie was pretty fired up when she wrote this. And, you know, that's awesome. I love her passion for it. I just don't want to step on anybody's toes or anything to come across the wrong way. So, Thank you. That's just my... I just wanted that's to get that cents. all out. Yeah. No, I'm glad you did. I just... For people that are like a little ignorant about the the whole topic people I, like me i encourage you to look up just for starters put fur farm in your google engine and press enter well, and look if at you images. can handle it but that's my yourself that's for my really point rough images if you think that nothing bad is happening then look for yourself because i guarantee you're not going to like what you see I did this this morning, and the first photo is a clean farm with a happy farmer that looks to be talking to his farmhand, and underneath the caption says, U.S. fur farming is strictly regulated. (laughs) Great. And then all the other photos next to it (laughs) are terrible. Strictly regulated by guidelines that are not enforced. How is that? That doesn't make sense. Unless I'm missing a huge link. (laughs) Yeah. Foxes, I see foxes with intestines falling out of it. I see foxes scraping themselves on broken wires from countless attempts to escape. A baby fox curled up by itself on mesh wire. Depleted, depressed animals, starving animals, animals with disease confined to dark, cramped wire crates stacked on top of one another. I don't see the pros when it comes to fur farming. It's 2020. Yes, Synthetic fur is harder on the environment. I do understand that. It is? It's been pushed on all the anti... Well, use alpaca. Right? And wool. Stuff that's re... um, That they don't have to kill the animal for. Exactly. Alpaca is amazing. I sure feel like um, the synthetic fur versus the real stuff is kind of a balance. Because, yeah, fur is a natural uh, material. And Mm -hmm. it decomposes. Excuse me. Right. But on the flip side, all the waste that you're taking away from the animals runs off into water supply, all the food you're using. I don't know. Well, there's pros and cons to everything. But, I mean, if stuff's sustainable, like cotton and wool Mm -hmm. and alpaca, all that stuff is sustainable. It's natural. It doesn't take any life. Yeah. You know? I'm kind of like, 
if synthetic fur is so much worse, then let's just be done with fur. I mean, we don't need the fur coats. We don't need them here. Maybe in third world countries where they don't have the same means as us, then they need to do what they need to do. Should we do an episode on silk and the way (laughs) the worms are handled? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I guess <laughs> that was too much. What I was trying to say is, instead of that faux trim on your coat, can't you just get a scarf? You know. <laughs> <laughs> and what about sheep and alpaca? Like you said, those are animals that can be free roaming and happy, and they don't have to die for their wool or their fur. Right. They're sheared, and they look happy when they're sheared because then they're not hot. I do have a wool allergy though, but alpaca doesn't bother me. That's good. I never looked at PETA websites for my facts. I actually got them from pro fur farm websites for the most part. A few activist people, but no PETA stuff. Yeah, so you kind of um, went to the people you disagree with to try to get their perspective. So kinda. I appreciate that. Countries are bur- banning fur, and nothing bad is happening with the wildlife. Nothing I can see. So that argument to me is kind of junk, and I don't like it. I want you guys to look at your cat Look at your little meow meow. Look at your pup pup. Imagine them being killed for their fur. It's pointless. Anally electrocuted. They aren't even being used for food. It's such a meanless death. But then a designer comes up and tells you, oh, but wait, you're going to get a really nice makeup brush and some soft tassels on your socks for this. Mm. Is it worth it? An animal is an animal. A fox, a dog, a cat, a mink. Like... I just don't think it's right. Especially when you're not actually using the animal, but just the fur on its back. Well, yeah. And again, it's the cruel way they're handled while they're alive that's the root of the issue. It's not the using of their fur, like once they're dead of natural causes or Mm -hmm. if they're hunted humanely. Right. But the way they're treated while they're alive, if they're suffering before they're killed i.e. Fur, fur farming, then that's that's a problem. Mm-hmm. No matter what pro-fur farmers are going to say about it, I just don't believe that those animals are happy in those wire mesh cages. I mm-hmm. don't. I'd also like to take a hot minute to talk about mink eyelashes. This is like the new trend. And there's also the new cruelty-free mink lashes that some companies have claimed to have roaming free mink and cruelty free eyelashes because the hairs are collected after the mink are lightly brushed (laughs) this is not possible what it's not mink can't roam free on a farm it wouldn't work because mink are aggressive little creatures it's not in their nature to be hanging out with each other (laughs) so they're acting like they're just like sitting on their stoop with their little pet mink brushing it yeah coat And also, a mink's not going to let you brush them. They aren't calm enough to sit there and let you brush them like a cat. Cats aren't even calm enough. Well, have you ever spent time with a mink? (laughs) (laughs) Because these people have. Okay. (laughs) I'm just playing devil's advocate so we cover our bases here. I just can't see... So no one starts yelling at us. Unless through force, stress, or restraint, a mink is going to let you brush its fur. In fact... (laughs) A lot of mink lash industries have actually pulled their claims on being cruelty-free because they see how ridiculous it is. So, Well, that's good. It's just not realistic. What so. were you telling me about like the recycled carcasses and landfills, chicken? Oh, they were talking about how every part of a fur farm animal is used, and I didn't understand it. Well, I thought you said they, they claimed they were helping the environment because the, oh, the animals were eating chicken parts the animals on fur farms sorry to cut you off there no you're the one that knows they're being fed um the processed other animal parts from other food farms stuff that wasn't used like chickens Mm -hmm. they were like when a chicken is harvested they take the meat out and then the rest goes yeah um so So i guess the feathers go in pillows is that how it works (laughs) <laughs> and then the foxes eat the Chicken. beaks and the the gullets. The foxes or? get all the parts that we don't eat and all the slop that is left over after. What are those little red things called on the head? Comb? Yeah, the comb. 
So that's what the foxes eat? They said that it's a good thing that there's fur farming because then the foxes can eat all that junk instead of us putting that junk in landfills and clogging them up. So Okay, so what's your argument with that? Well, first of all, all that stuff's biodegradable, so I don't really see how it clogs. I feel like it just makes soil. But my other argument was that's all fine and dandy, but those foxes are being killed and then skinned and then what's happening with their carcasses aren't they going in the landfill right so to be fair one fox probably eats a lot more than one chicken's worth of crap but still the argument stands like no one's eating foxes or minks meat are they doesn't look like it and like i said before the real issue is the way they're treated while they're alive i don't have a problem with People getting their hunting license, being fully trained, going out in the wild and hunting a deer. I really don't. Right. It's this process of farming animals for the only reason of killing them and taking their coats. And it's so inhumane and there's and just no pros about it. To wild me. animals, too. Right. Because there's domestic animals like cows. But cows aren't being and sheep. skinned for their... I mean, they I mean, they sheep leather. need a shepherd, you know? There's animals that are domestic. I mean, house cats. They're... Dogs, they love people. They literally live to be with people. They've been fur farmed too. Oh, oh, that sounds terrible. That's a little too dark for the show. <laughs> Is it? <laughs> Honestly, there are so many more topics I could talk about. The animal testing, other fur farming, illegal exotic trade for animals, entertainment, I could just rant on and on. And honestly, if this episode does go well, then I do plan on making an episode about animal entertainment business. And that includes those stands when you're on tropical vacations. Uh, Circuses? No. Well, I can talk about circuses as part of it. But I'm talking about those booths. It's like, play with a baby tiger and get your picture taken. Oh, yeah. Um, And it's all made up about how these funds are going to help save the tigers when in real life they kill them when they're too old and they can't handle them anymore. Oof. makes my blood boil. So there's no, like, reintroduction therapy for putting them back in the wild? or No. Wow. They're killed, and then they use the pelts for something. So, but in other words, it's a business with a facade. They're making money while it grows up, and getting pictures taken with their people, because it's a declawed animal. Right. And it's too young. It's declawed? Well, yeah. They're not going to let you take a picture with an animal that has claws. Oh my gosh. Most of them. They're declining a baby tiger. I was one of these dummies. I did it on vacation when I was a little kid. Yeah, I wanted to when we were in Ensenada, Mexico. Oh, and I was like, no. (laughs) Yeah, and I was like, why? Because they made it look so appealing. And, I mean, we see people, good people, that get pictures taken with them all the time. And they have no idea. Because... Well, I did it. It's hard to find this information. I Maybe I can dig up the picture. We can put it on Instagram. I have a picture of me and my brother and a baby tiger. And it was adorable and awesome. And then I remember... And we could put devil horns on you. I, <laughs> no. Red tint. I handed back the baby tiger. And then in my heart, I was like, why do I get to hold a baby tiger? This doesn't really make sense. So then on the board, I took a picture of the board with all the information. Because they throw all this junk on oh, there to yeah. make you think it's legit. Do you still have that picture? No, I don't think so. Oh. And I, I called the number. I went on the website. Number didn't work. There was no website. It was all a sham. That would have been useful to have that picture now. Yeah, it would have been. Although it's probably really outdated. Yeah. Told, oh, yeah. I'm sure they change it every once in a while. Well, maybe they're also working on it. Because I don't want to make this episode right now, though. This is for a later time. Oh, I know. This is just speculation. Mm. But circuses have been getting better. Yeah, they Like, have. now they just put a dude in a... <laughs> lion costume no polar bear costume oh yeah for in, in mexico <laughs> well, yeah we were in puerto vallarta and we went to the circus and there was a guy in a polar bear costume you know doing polar bear tricks it was awesome i loved it i loved every second of that that was the most authentic circus i don't know? think they ever put polar bears in circuses though because polar bears are like the most dangerous animal on earth i don't, I don't know. think they'd ever try to tame a polar bear it was a good day. Okay, so that was fascinating. Thank you. 
let us know what you thought about it. And again, I don't, I know we're going to get hate on this episode. And you know what, guys? Maybe I did get my facts a little skewed, but I did try to find the most honest stuff I could. Yes. And, of course, as you all know, we're just a couple of dumb kids that are passionate about, you know, people and animals not being abused. And don't even try to sway me into thinking this is okay. You can make your own podcast. (laughs) Right. That's what I say. So what's up with you, right, guy? Um, well, I guess I already said what was up with me at the beginning. <laughs> Nothing's the changed. Whole, I, I ran this morning. Mm-hmm. Well, I woke up groggy because... Real groggy. I woke up at 5 a.m., as I've been used to the past month, um, even though we went to bed at midnight. So groggy, in fact, that you dropped a full cup of coffee Yeah. in the kitchen. Well, I was warming it up for you because you were doing all the work on this episode this week. <laughs> Um, because I have still haven't had time to finish my outline. But next week, we have a two-parter coming up, which is a fascinating case and a really inspiring story, and I'm really excited about it. Are you going to say what it's about? No. Cool. I don't want to spoil it. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I'm excited because it's a really inspiring story. I'm excited, too. I'm ex- ex- excited to get this new year off to a good start. Um, and get back into the podcast because I've really missed it. Let me just say, thank you guys all for being here and listening to us talk. So we appreciate you guys. We appreciate the feedback you guys give us. Especially, we haven't recorded since Kintsugi, have we? Mm-mm. Yeah. No, I got two rosy rants in a row. That's right. You Dishing really helped. It. Dishing it. If it wasn't for your hard work, we would have gone a whole month without a new episode. <laughs> So I appreciate you doing all this work. And next week we'll be back into true crime stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and sorry about all this ranting. Well, you know, it's, it's still an important subject, you know. I just think we need to give the animals a voice too every once in a while. Yeah, and I didn't know any of this before. So thank you for teaching me about it. Well, I've been talking to you about it for a year, so I don't know why <laughs> that is. But Well, my brain is kind of like a a smooth glass surface that everything just An ice rink? You're referring to an off. ice rink. Yeah, something. I don't know what I'm trying to say. And I'm proving my point <laughs> as I talk. So, all right. Well, thank you guys. Again, so much for listening. Um, well, we don't have any reviews ready to read, but we'll get back into reviews next week, too. Okay. This is kind of a casual um, trying to warm or get ourselves back into the podcasting mode. We're getting rusty because it's been a while. And So rusty. Yeah. Um, I do want to say that our 100th episode Though is in the future, isn't well. That that's far way off. way out in April, but it's almost January. It is January though. January. I know, February, but March, we're January. only on episode eighty nine. Well, can I just say what I wanted to say? Yeah. I wanted to say that on our hundredth episode, we're gonna do an ask us anything. So think about any questions that you would like to ask. Anything within reason. Keep it appropriate, guys. <laughs> well, Come we're on. gonna weed them, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, I, but yeah, you can start sending them in now. Um, We're thinking the couple about weeks it. before the episode, we'll remind you again. But it will be fun. I'm excited. Our first one that we did went pretty well. Yeah, it did. So, um, so send it to our email or message us on Instagram or Facebook, and then we'll put it all into a, a document. And we also got a P.O. box. Oh, Wowzers. Yes. Um, That's not a wrapper. That's the receipt. Yeah. So we're going to let you guys know what our P.O. box is. And I want to thank Kelsey for pushing me to open it because I kept forgetting. So thank you, Kelsey. It's P.O. Box 1425 in Hudson, Wisconsin, 54016. That's 1425. Um, You might be wondering why Minnesotan podcasters have a Wisconsin P.O. box. (laughs) Well, we live on the border, 
We live in Minnesota, but we work in Wisconsin. So Indeed, we do. As you know, I work at the post office, and the P.O. box we got is right behind my case at the post office. So what it'll be time. easy to pick up. <laughs> yeah, very good. Yeah, so thank you guys again. We appreciate your support and just your time to listen to us. Obviously, we're rusty right now, but... Not too yeah. rusty. Well, I just, you know, have a lot of ums, and whenever I start talking, I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> I think that's partially because I'm groggy. Yeah. All right. Because it's just one of those days. <laughs> oh, I never finished my story. I woke up at 5 a.m. because I'm used to that now, and then I fell back asleep, and I didn't wake up till almost 10. So, uh, that's the latest I've slept in years, I think. And you know how it is when you sleep in too late and you're groggy. It takes like five hours to wake up. And that's why I went on a run this morning. What are you looking at, Rosie? It seems like something is shocking you. Oh, I'm just thinking. (laughs) About what? (laughs) What I'm going to do after this. Oh, okay. (laughs) What are you going to do after this? I'm going to figure out what to put in the crock pot for when our friends get here. Ooh, yum. Cool. Well, I think we've rambled enough. (laughs) Hey, I'm I'm glad we have a nice long episode to put out for people since it's been. I guess it's not that long. Trying to make it longer. Cool. No, I'm not. (laughs) But we've been gone for three weeks now, so. I'm just waiting. (laughs) So it's long. I'm just kidding. All right. Thank you guys for listening, and we will talk to you next week. Bye.